Welcome to Podcast One. We hope you'll support our sponsors who bring you these podcasts absolutely free and with limited interruptions. And of course, we appreciate you listening to this show, which will get started in just a second. At Farmers Insurance, we know every windshield collision has a unique sound. Beetle. Bird poop. Drone. Seen it? Covered it. Click for more. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Underwritten by Farmers Truck Fire Insurance Exchanges and Affiliates. Products not available in every state. Forbes Sports Money is brought to you by WordPress.com. WordPress powers 27% of all websites, including Forbes blogs. Get 15% off your new website today at WordPress.com slash Forbes. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes. This is Forbes Sports Money on Podcast One. And I'm your host, Mike Ozanian. This show is all about the business of sports. Today on this Forbes Sports Money podcast, I'm speaking with Alejandro Agag. Alejandro is the CEO of Formula E. Now, for those not all that familiar with Formula E, Formula E is a type of auto racing that only uses electric-powered cars. Alejandro, thanks a lot for coming on the show today and taking the time. It's my pleasure. How are you? Good, good. Thank you. So, you know, you were a very successful businessman before becoming the CEO of Formula E. What brought you to Formula E? It goes to a few years back. I was in different businesses around Formula One and traditional racing. And uh, I felt something was missing. Uh, motor racing was losing contact with the, with the main concerns of the people out there, especially the new generations. And our main concern, or the main concern of, of the new generation, is, is climate change, is, is global warming, is the things that we're doing to our planet. And I thought motor racing needed to play a role also in that. And that was really the origin of the idea of doing a, a, a championship that would promote clean technology that then would help have more electric cars on the road and then at the end would help basically making a better world. Clean technology, of course, is a big something that so many people and companies have been focusing on. How does Formula E engage its fans? We have to find new ways to engage the fans also, because nowadays the fans are, you know, are, are you know, are, it's, it's different. People before just to, used to wait for their sport, turn on the TV, go to a free tour channel and watch it. Now people have their mobile phones, have digital devices. They like to enjoy their, their entertainment when they want, how they want. So you have to find new channels to engage with the fans. We have, for example, opened the competition to the fans they can vote online, and the three drivers who get more votes get an additional boost, five-second boost of energy in the race. So the fans can have actually have a real effect on the result of a race. That, 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 that's a first that has never been done before. And we keep doing things like that to engage better with the fans. Wow. So, so have any races been decided because one car had more fans engaged than another car? Oh, definitely. One race, the, num- the, the number two car, the car that was running second, got the fan boost from the fans, and in the last, in the, I think it was two laps till the end, he overtook the car that was leading thanks to the fans' uh, support. Wow, wow, that's crazy. You know, I was watching, there's a uh, documentary called Steve McQueen and Le Mans. It was a documentary about how he yeah. made that movie, how passionate McQueen was about Formula One auto racing, and Le Mans in particular. And um, at that point, you know, it was almost like, Formula One was cult-like. It, it didn't necessarily have the biggest global audience, but those that followed the sport were so passionate about it. I'm saying this because, you know, you start out by talking about how getting, you know, it's important to get the fans more engaged. And I feel as though traditional auto racing 
has sort of lost some of its fans along the way. And I don't know if that's because the the drivers themselves are seem sort of distant. They're not as uh, uh, it's not they're not as accessible to the audience as they may be in some other sports. Or uh, unlike, say, if you're watching the NBA, you know, you, you see the players without their helmets on or whatever those reasons may be. It, you know, you look at the main topic here uh, that you brought up in terms of why have Formula E with the electric cars. And, you know, there's so many people in the world now who are aware of or concerned by, uh, you know, technology and clean energy. Does uh, this give you an avenue to re-engage with people that perhaps were traditional fans that uh, Formula One may have lost or and, and bring in new fans that perhaps never followed Formula One before? I think the second one is the is is right one. I think it gives us a, a huge opportunity to engage with a new generation of fans. Because, like you say, the fans we have, is the same case as, 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 as Le Mans in the past, our fans are incredibly uh, engaged and incredibly committed because they believe in our objective, which is, you know, to, to help better technology, cleaner, cleaner air, and so on and so on. But I think we have the big, big chance to attract a whole new generation of fans. As Formula E gets more known, and, you know, obviously racing in places like New York that is coming up is going to help enormously on that. We just raced in Paris, and that was huge. We've raced in Hong Kong. By, by making Formula E known to more and more people, I think this new generation of fans that really share the same values we have and the same objectives, I think they're going to be really, really passionate with Formula E. So, yes, I think we have a, we're in front of a great opportunity to create a complete new fan base. And now for a quick commercial break to let you know, this podcast is brought to you by Braintree. Having an up-to-date payment system is one of those things, like a rattle in your engine, that you might let slide to the bottom of the to-do list. Everything's working now, so you'll get to it when you get to it. But that's not necessarily a practical strategy. Leave it too long and you could be stranded on the side of the highway. And when we're talking about getting paid, you don't want to get stranded. It might not be a bad time to check in with Braintree and keep your business humming. Braintree. Rethink payments. Find out more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. What are some of the uh, differences in terms of the designs of the car for Formula E uh, versus the traditional car and the capabilities of the car in terms of how long it could run, how uh, often it needs to have a pit stop, and, and how fast the cars go? If you see it visually from outside, it would look like a normal, like, a, like, like the one you used to see, like a Formula One car or an Indy car. But that's where the similarity stops. The car is 100% electric. And it's almost like racing with your mobile phone. The battery, when, you're, when, you're, when your mobile phone is full, the battery is full, you call everybody, you're happy, you can, you can do whatever you want with the phone, you can, you can download, you can, you can stream, you can see whatever you want. But when the batteries are running low, you have to choose very well who you call and how you use those last moments of energy. It's the same with our cars. Cars can go for about 25 minutes each, and the races actually are played with two cars, are raced with two cars. Each driver has two cars, and in the pit stop, the driver changes cars. Cars go up to 140, 150 miles per hour, so they go pretty fast. And think that this is on, on the streets. On, we, all our races are on the streets, on the street circuits. So uh, the races are very spectacular, but everything goes around the management of energy, which actually is the big question in the world for the future, the management of energy, how we're going to produce the energy, how we're going to use it. That is, that is also the core of the Formula E race. So if you were going to uh, 
explain in a, let's say, a simple way about what the management of energy means. How would you compare the management of energy and what actually is being managed in a Formula E car versus a traditional race car? In Formula E car, if you go flat out all the time, if you go as fast as you can go, you won't finish the race. The race is longer. We make the race longer than how long a car could go flat out. So the drivers have to choose when they want to go flat out and when they want to save energy. And that makes a whole different game of strategies. Some driver will attack in the beginning, some driver will attack in the end, um, and they have to manage the energy. And the best drivers managing the energy are the ones who win the races at the end. So by managing the energy, is it because the car itself is, is not capable of being able to go flat out for, during the whole race? It, it, the battery just can't handle it, or they'd have to stop and exactly. make a pit stop and lose? They, the battery cannot have... Uh, so we make the race longer than the battery, hmm. if, uh, if I'm explaining myself. Right. So if we, do, we, we could do races of 100, uh, let's say 100 miles, and then the cars could go flat out. Instead of that, we do them of 130 miles. So the cars have to... The guys have to manage. They cannot go full on all the time, so they can finish the race. And now, breaking away for a minute to say whether you're looking to create a website for your business or a personal blog, you'll make a big impact when you build your site on WordPress.com. Even if you don't have experience building a website, WordPress.com can guide you through the process. They have hundreds of customized themes to get you started. You'll get built-in social sharing. And if you're on WordPress.com, you immediately have a leg up on everyone else when it comes to search engine optimization. On WordPress.com, you are part of a community with support 24-7 when you need it. Come see why more websites run on WordPress.com than any other platform. Get started today with 15% off any new plan purchase. Go to WordPress.com Forbes to create your website and find the membership plan that's right for you. That's WordPress.com slash Forbes for 15% off your brand new website. WordPress.com slash Forbes. How much do these cars cost? The car costs about half a million dollars. Wow, okay, so... Uh, more, maybe. Okay, so, the, so these cars, and uh, I guess if I was going to say the budget for the race, and, and, and uh, do they have the same crew, by the way? Do you need a crew like you do for a traditional you formula? Do. You need a crew, you need a crew. But the championship also, as it has to be sustainable in everything, is also sustainable from the cost control. So... The team will spend about maybe $12 million a year, 12 to $14 million a year to race with the crew, with the traveling, with the cost of moving the cars around, etc. And um, if you compare that with, that would be not too different from Indy, maybe maybe a little bit lower than Indy, but definitely a lot lower than Formula One where they spend 100, 200, 300 million. Is there a big crossover in drivers in terms of the people that race traditional Formula One also race Formula E? A lot of crossovers. So we all of our drivers come either from Formula One or from Le Mans. Wow. So a lot of crossover and, and some drivers do both at the same time. Not Formula One because there's too many races, but some drivers do all, do at the same time Le Mans, so the endurance championship and Formula E. Is the governing body the same for Formula E as it is for uh Formula One? It is. It is exactly the same. We have the same governing body which is the FIA, the International Federation of Autosports. And that is the governing body for F one, for us for the rally championship and for the 
Endurance Championship, which is Le Mans. And also within that body is ACUS, the U.S. part of that FIA, which is a regulatory body of NASCAR and uh, IndyCar. How hard was it, Alejandro, for you to uh, sell this and, and market it in the beginning? I'm only thinking because, you know, there are a lot of traditionalists out there, you know, I got to think who are like, nah, you know, this will never work, this will never sell, or no one will watch a slower car. Was it a tough sell? You know, it's, very, it's, a, it's a very good question because on one side it was really hard, on the other side it was really easy. And, and, and let me explain. It was really hard because everyone, there was a big consensus that we were going to fail. Many, many people thought this will never work. Alejandro and his crew are completely mad and they're going to waste their money and this is never going to work. On the other hand, many, many big sponsors and many big companies and many big drivers wanted to risk it. They said, listen, this is such a great kind of idea. This is such a great proposal, this is such a great project that can deliver such a great result that even if it's, you know, even if it may fail, we want to be associated with it. So we got from the beginning huge companies like, you know, Michelin, which is the biggest tire company in the world, or DHL, the biggest logistics company in the world, or I mean, many, many big, big companies that, you know, we have partners like Visa, like, uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I have so many, Tag Heuer, the watches, it was so interesting with the watches, we tagged the, the Tag Heuer watch company, uh, which is part of the LVMH group in uh, well, the biggest fashion and luxury group in the world, they came and said, we want to be associated to this, even if it fails. Because, you know, we are we are into pioneering things good for the world, and we want to be associated with it. So, actually, it was, that part made it a lot easier, because we started getting revenue and support from, from day one. And now for a quick break, letting you know this podcast is brought to you by Braintree. If you think that your payment system exists solely for the purpose of transferring money from a customer's wallet to yours, think again. Braintree. Rethink payments. Learn more at braintreepayments.com slash Forbes. As I understand this, when you guys uh, first were ready to roll out in 2014, you came to an arrangement with FIA that you were going to pay them about $24 million uh, over 10 years. Uh, to be able to run this. So essentially, you were making that payment. Uh, that's a payment to them. And then on top of that, above your expenses, the revenue uh, you guys get to keep. Is that how this works? No, not really. We agreed with FIA that we would invest a minimum of $25 million in this. But it was an investment to make to make the championship work. Um, and that was really a minimum. We have invested many times that figure, obviously. We took a lot more money than we thought to, to launch this. But no, no, we didn't have to make any payment to the FIA in the beginning. Okay, so by that investment, that's like in the sport, in the cars, and, in, and I guess you have, exactly. to pay, you have to pay the tracks who host the race and so forth. Um, but, you know, I, I, I was reading about this before we started chat, and uh, somebody, a friend of mine who I respect a lot, the owner of the Boston Celtics, one of the owners, Wick Grousebeck, has also been an oh, investor yes. in this. Um, uh, what was it like talking to Wick about this? Wick has been an incredible support for the whole project since the beginning. Wick was a believer since the beginning. And Wick, you know, apart from a great businessman, is, is, and, you know, he's, he's done inc- an incredible job with the Celtics. He's a great friend. And also, he's a very, very shrewd and savvy investor. And, you know, he brought uh, his fund to invest with us from, from day one. And uh, he's been in the board also, in the board of directors, and he's played an incredible role, to, and, and he's been an incredible support also for, for, 
for me as CEO and the whole management team. So, you know, we've been really so lucky to have Wick uh, on board with us. And also, I can sometimes go to watch some Boston Celtics games there from the <laughs> first row, which is pretty, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, Wick's also a big uh, believer in esports, so I, I got to imagine if you haven't already, uh, I apologize if you have, and I just didn't notice it. But at some point, I got to see you guys getting this involved uh, with uh, e games, you know, so people playing uh, playing that way as well. We are massively involved in e games, and we actually did something quite fun in uh, in January. We took all of our drivers, the real drivers, to Las Vegas, and we went to CES, to the Consumer Electronics Show, and we put the 20 drivers in simulators with a huge screen in the middle of CES against the 10 best gamers in the world, the, the best 10 uh, racing gamers. Uh, can you get the results? Of the top 10, nine were gamers and only one real driver. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like you weren't actually too surprised by that. I wasn't too surprised at that. No, not at all. We, we, we were, I was expecting, I mean, I was expecting some of the drivers to do better. It's very interesting. The young, young drivers, they were the ones competitive. The older drivers, the ones that even coming from Formula One, I, mean, I remember Nick Heidfeld, which is one of the, you know, he's done over 300 Formula One starts, victories, podiums, everything in Formula One. And he was coming, and he's over 30 now, who's coming to me saying, Alejandro, this is so hard. I can't. And, Felix Rosenquist, he's our youngest driver, he's 18 or 19, he, he, he was, he's in his third. So you can really see the, young, the new generation is the one that, you know, is into, can play video games in a different, in a different league. You know, it's amazing how much we can learn from watching uh, the younger guys, right? Because I, I was talking to Rick Fox a couple of weeks ago, who's a significant investor in esports, and we were asking about how he got his ideas, and he was saying, you know, from watching his kids and, and seeing... You know, how that generation is, is so into gaming, you know, and, and now it's becoming a, a really big thing. You know, got to got to keep our eyes on the youngsters. Me too. I have four boys. The oldest is 12, the youngest is six, and they're my focus group. I sit with them and say, okay, guys, what do you like? What do you like from the race? What do you like from the e-game? What do you like from the robots? By the way, robots, you know, we're introducing robots also in our races. Before the race of Formula E, we have a race of robots. And uh, the kids, they hear the word robot, and they don't want to listen to anything else. Wow. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Napa know-how. It's Love Your Car Month at Napa. And to show your car the love, get a Napa bucket for $2.99 and save 20% on almost everything you can fit inside, like car wash, car wax, and tire shine. So save some cash and look good doing it by getting 20% off with the Napa bucket. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores. Exclusions apply. Minimum three items may not be combined with other offers. Offer ends 43019. Hey guys, this is Chael Sun, and make sure you check out my podcast, You're Welcome. We talk about MMA, we talk about professional wrestling, politics, anything you need to know about today's top issues so that you can sound intelligent and you get them all from me, your humble host, America's favorite gangster. Make sure you check me out. You're welcome with Chael Sun and new episodes every Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday at Podcast. Podcast One app, Apple Podcasts, and of course, PodcastOne.com. And now a quick break to say FreshBooks is a ridiculously easy-to-use cloud accounting software for small business owners that saves you time and gets you paid faster. Now used by over 10 million people worldwide. For your 30-day free trial, go to FreshBooks.com slash Forbes and enter sports money in the How Did You Hear About Us section. So what is uh, the ownership structure 
for Formula E, and and where uh, what are some of the groups or individuals that have been the investors in Formula E? We, we've been really lucky with our investors. We have a great, great lineup of investors, and they're incredibly supportive of the project. The, the main investor, and that was decisive also for the really for the kind of second phase, the really the launch of Formula E. It's um, it's uh, Discovery and uh, Liberty Global, two companies that are also uh, basically led or owned by um, by uh, John Malone, um, the cable businessman in uh, in the U.S. So that's our main uh, shareholder, uh, those two companies. Plus, we have the Chinese um, China Media Capital, which is the biggest Chinese fund on on sports. And then um, then myself, I'm, I'm uh, luckily uh, still a shareholder of the company. And uh, then we have, you know, other other shareholders like WIC and like Qualcomm, which is another technology company in the U.S. We have fantastic, fantastic shareholders that are really, really supporting us. You know, uh, Alejandro, you, you mentioned Malone, and um, you know, God, I mean, when I when I first uh, broke into journalism 25 years ago, or so he was it was just sort of after it just started. It was when cable was just starting out, and and you know, I just want to tell our listeners, I mean. John Malone is a genius. I mean, that, that that's a term that I think at times gets overused in talking about a lot of people. But, I mean, that guy's a genius. And to just throw another cliche out there, but it applies to him. He, he's a, that man's a true visionary. I can't agree more. I think, I think the word genius, if you can use it with someone, definitely John Malone. Uh, you can use it with John Malone. I, I had the lack of to meet again only once, actually. I had dinner with him. And... Uh, you know, he was, I mean, the whole, everything from the first moment to the last was fascinating to, to listen to him and what he was saying. And, you know, he, a few things I didn't understand, probably because I'm not at that high level. Some of these really kind of like incredible uh, like financial engineering structures that he builds and, and how he does his business and so on. But, you know, it, it's incredible what he's created. And, you know, and we, we are so happy that he, that he decided to also invest in Formula E. Yeah, and I have to think, you know, I was just looking at something really not related to Formula E earlier today, and uh, it was a, uh, I can't remember the name of the company, but it was a very big tech company, uh, and it had signed on to be a, uh, pay a lot of money to be a sponsor in the next Soccer World Cup. And and I was just looking at all all these deals, right? There's so many of the companies now getting involved with sports, are tech-related companies, and, and you named some when you were talking about some of the partners with Formula E. Um, wh- what do you think is driving that, uh, it, the interest of these tech companies? Is, this, is it the way that uh, Formula E uh, is the content and the races are being distributed, you know, uh, increasingly through streaming? Uh, what's powering this? There are different reasons. Uh, Formula E, that is a a little bit special because we are very focused on technology and innovation. Uh, there is not that much technology and innovation in football, but I think that the content is king now, and in the future, more and more and more. Exclusive premium content is going to be very important, and new ways of showing that content, like streaming, are part of the future business model of many of these uh, big tech companies. In our case, even more than that, companies want to use Formula as a showcase or a part of maybe some other future business models, like the cloud, the mobility cloud. You know, in the future, we're going to have huge mobility clouds that are going to control from how the energy is distributed to the electric charging points, to the electric cars, how they go around the city. The cars are going to be driverless, so the cloud is going to control where the cars go, how fast they go, where they 
basically park if they need to park because maybe they don't need to park because they will be shared by many people. All that is a huge business opportunity, huge, 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 that many companies are looking into. And Formula E is at the middle of that because we are in connected cars, we are in electric cars, we are into energy efficiency, into charging. So many of those, those points on the mobility or the future of mobility touch with Formula E. Yeah, so, so in a way, I mean, in the true sense, it's like you guys are partnering because um, you're, you're sharing the learning experience, going through the learning curve together, if you will, in terms of where the future is going to be and, and what works best and, and, and being able to see what's changing and, and how the audience wants this content. Absolutely. And, you know, the, the key here is you, you said that we're learning curve. We have to not be afraid of failure. And we tried many crazy things in Formula E. The other day in Paris, for the first time, we took the robot, our new robot, around the track. And it, it bumped against the wall. Fine. But that's part of the learning curve. We, you know, uh, we dare to try new things. And many of these companies want to, you know, join us because they want to be part of that learning curve and then get the experiences to then use it later. So, yeah, definitely that's, that's, that's a big part of, our, of, of, of the Formula E philosophy in a way. Aside from the robots, Alejandro, any ideas out there that you or, or any of your colleagues threw out there originally that, you know, somebody like me may have said, ah, that's crazy, but actually has either worked or has uh, provided something you can learn from for the future? Well, the most obvious one is when we started the championship, we knew the cars could only go for 25 minutes. But we needed to make cars of almost one hour. Not more than one hour, but the TV wanted one-hour races. So we decided to go what someone thought we were crazy, to do races with two cars. And people said, oh, that, you know, that's a bad idea, and that's going to show how short the electric cars go. Next season, we're going to change the cars, and the cars are going to be able to do the full race only with one car. So only in four years, we've gone from two cars to one car to do the same distance. That shows exactly the opposite, how much the cars have developed, how much an electric car can, can improve in a very short period of time. I think that's just one example, a very straightforward, simple one. But there are many more like that. I mean, we're getting huge lessons on energy re regeneration. How do you recover the energy on the braking? We thought we were going to recover 10%. We're close to 20% recovery of the energy uh, when these cars are racing. That can be used on road electric cars and so on and so on and so on. Fascinating. You know, just like I would expect from someone like you and, and Formula E, when you, when you started out, you picked some great spots, Miami, Monaco, Rio de Janeiro, L.A., um, which of these spots has it been uh, the best received in Formula E uh, and, and going forward in terms of where you might hold these races, well, what have you learned from the past in terms of what cities or countries uh, want these races the most and, and which ones, perhaps right now anyway, aren't really ready for them? Everywhere around the world, actually, we had a great, great welcome. Um, the races we had in LA, in Long Beach, were great. The race we had in Miami was incredible. It was just nobody knew Formula E at the time. It was the first season, and like forty thousand people showed up. It was it was fantastic. And now we have the the two really huge races we have are Hong Kong and uh, and the Paris. In Paris, we race in the heart of Paris, around the Valide with the Eiffel Tower, and in Hong Kong, we race in Central, right in the middle of the skyscrapers. But for us now, there is something really really exciting coming up. We've been really dreaming of this for a long time which was to race in New York, and, and that's going to be a reality very short. Is, um, is, uh, is China, I heard China wanted you guys, but didn't want you in any of its major cities. Is, is that true? No, no, no. We raced, it, we raced twice in Beijing, 
the first the first race ever actually was in Beijing, and it was it was awesome. Also, it's a symbol because China is the country where the future of the electric car will be decided. Really, so China is going to lead the charge on electric cars. He's already leading the charge on electric cars, and we are racing now in Hong Kong, which is one of our permanent features, and we are planning another two races in two big Chinese cities. So no, no, China is is definitely, and we have two Chinese teams. And we have a big Chinese investor, so China is really, really keen on Formula E. You're saying New York now? That would be quite a coup because I, I can't imagine uh, traditional Formula One ever getting uh, into New York. In fact, uh, a few years ago, I believe they were trying to get across the river, uh, not far from uh, Hoboken. Uh, or where my office is yes. now in Jersey City, and it was going to happen, it was going to happen, and it never happened. Um, in, in a way, could could Formula E open some roads for F- Formula One? In other words, you know, a, a city that may not want Formula One, uh, you know, maybe there are people that, you know, don't want it for uh, uh, either perceived safety reasons or uh, whatever the case may be. Once they see Formula E, they like that, and they say, you know what, maybe we should have Formula One here too. I think we sure could, and and you know we have a really complementary spirit in Formula One. We really work very well with them. We I'm, I'm a big fan of Formula One, and Formula One now is actually also owned by John Malone or by a John Malone company, Liberty Media. So we're we're kind of cousins in a way. Um, definitely, I think Formula E could pave the way in some places. But you know, Formula One is, is a great brand; it's very strong. Uh, but yeah, but in, in places like New York, maybe or some other cities, we we can pave the way for for racing in a way. But we're quite different. We make very little noise, very little sound, depends how you want to call it. And um, and that's an advantage when you want to race in the city center because you, you create a lot less disruption and, and a lot less kind of protest from neighbors and so on and so on. It's easier for us to, to get in the city center. That's why we're so complimentary from now on. What kind of attendance have you been getting at your races? The last race in Paris, a couple of weeks ago, 46,000 people came. The, li- the big limitation for Formula is because we race in the city center and our trucks are small. There's not much room, but we we basically fill every race. And uh, New York will have about fifteen to twenty thousand people, but we're doing two races in New York because we think twenty thousand people is going to be too little for for the demand we're going to get in New York, or we're already getting in New York. So we're going to do a race on Saturday and a race on Sunday, July fifteenth and July sixteenth, and a total of forty thousand people we expect there. And in terms of being able to watch your content, if I'm uh, watch your race. Is it through streaming that people can view Formula E uh, or traditional television? What are the different ways that people uh, can watch these races? It's a mix, but uh, in the U.S., we are we have a partnership. which actually our first partner, our first broadcasting partner was Fox. So we are on Fox Sports 1, uh, but the race in New York actually is going to be on the network. The Sunday race is going to be uh, at 1 p.m., uh, New York uh, time on, on, on the Fox network. So you can watch it on the network, but then, then also we do a lot of streaming, a lot online. The day after the race, you can watch basically the whole race on YouTube. So we're really also very open on the, on the, uh, on the streaming and on the, on the uh, digital world. And we'll be right back after I tell you about the curious thing that happened to FreshBooks on its way to becoming the largest cloud accounting software platform for small business owners in the world. As a company... They've managed to stay small while soaring to over 10 million users strong. Or is it the other way around? Has FreshBooks customer base soared because their company has stayed small? Named as a small giant on Forbes' list of best small companies this year, 
FreshBooks has been recognized for focusing on greatness over growth by drastically simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online and delivering award-winning customer service that usually picks up in under three rings, FreshBooks has changed how small business owners deal with their day-to-day paperwork. This is really only a fraction of what FreshBooks can do, and they want you to see more. To claim your 30-day free trial, no credit card required, just go to freshbooks.com Forbes and enter sports money in the how did you hear about us section. I got to think, do, do any of the uh, uh, more or less traditional car companies, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, like General Motors, Ford, have they taken notice and tried to tap into what you guys are doing and your technology? Well, that's kind of my pending, my pending uh, how you say, exam that I have to pass is the U.S. company. Because we've got Audi, we've got BMW, we've got Jaguar, we've got Renault, we've got Citroën, we've got Mercedes that's going to have an option to come on season five. We've got Japanese companies coming in very soon, but we haven't got any U.S. companies. Ford or GM would be great to join uh, Formula E. Every company in the world now that is making cars is going to have some electric car model, and they're all coming to Formula E. So we would love to have American companies with us. Now, have you met Nicky Lauda? Yeah, I know Nicky very, very well. Okay, so... He's a great guy. Great guy. He was also huge in uh, in that uh, Steve McQueen uh, uh, documentary, but even bigger in that movie with that Ron Howard made about. That was a phenomenal yeah, movie. Right. Uh, tremendous, tremendous. Tr- I mean, what that guy did, I can't even fathom after his accident, how quickly he raced. So probably uh, him and Stuart, I guess, are... <clears throat> the two biggest, most famous names in, in Formula One, at least for me. But he was a skeptic when this started. Uh, he publicly was skeptical. Yes. He said, it's not a motorsport. Now, I want to know, what, have you run into him recently? And as he said to you, you know what, Alejandro, you were right. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I see Nicky all the time. I saw Nicky last uh, Sunday, uh, so three, three days ago, four days ago, in Monaco in the Grand Prix. And, um, yeah, yeah, Nicky has definitely, I mean, I don't think he believes in it yet, or still, or never will, because it's, it's basically his own kind of DNA, but he's definitely changed a lot his position, because Nicky now is one of the responsibles of the Mercedes Formula 1 team, and I've done a deal with Mercedes to, for them to, to uh, have an option to come in on Season 5, so they've definitely, well, they're coming in, so, so that's, that's a big change from Nicky. How is he, by the way, you know, health-wise? Well, he's great. He's very. He has this sense of humor, kind of very funny, very dry sense of humor. And uh, well, he's a le- he's a he's a legend. I mean, when you're with him, you're with Absolutely. a legend of, of motorsport. I mean, the things he's done, he's done, and his life, and and his, the stories he can tell you, and 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 so on. So yeah, he's, uh, he's a, yeah, he's, he's really he's a legend and a great guy. You know, I I got to ask you though, you must have had some surprises, even for a person like yourself, with all the experience you've had in the business world. There have to have been some things that happened over the last couple of years with Formula E that surprised you, and, I, and I'm just wondering if you could share a couple of those. Well, for me, one surprise is that we are still alive. <laughs> kind of <a> big surprise. <laughs> you know, because this was really a crazy project. I mean, if, if I look back, and you know, I look back at four years ago, five years ago when I started, and I look at what it is now, it's, it's far beyond what I expected, and we were 
twice, once really about to go down. I mean, really, really close to go down. And every time we managed to find investors and support on the last minute. I mean, really, one time was at the beyond the last minute, at the last second. Um, but then we always managed to continue. So that has been a great surprise, a positive surprise, a happy surprise, I would say, that that uh, that we're still here. And now we're we're really strong. Now we're you know the company is great. We're making big revenue. We're we're really really booming. So and every manufacturer is coming. Big sponsors are coming. So now so so yeah. They've been, the surprise is we we're still here. Are are you guys profitable now, on a, on a cash flow basis? You we guys- are, I mean. We are profitable on a cash flow basis. The thing is, we invest a lot in marketing. So we, we keep a negative EBITDA because we, we keep investing in marketing and marketing. But if we wouldn't invest, we would, operationally, we are we are now in the black. Alessandro, how many teams do you guys have now? Pretty big. Ten teams. Ten teams. Wow. Uh, that That's phenomenal. Yeah. Oh, take me out. Uh, ten? Yeah. Yeah, limited t- to 10 until we go to one car, and when we go to one car, we will issue two new entries, and that's it. We're going to have a maximum of 12 teams. By the way, what, is there a big difference among the cars themselves in terms of their capabilities? Uh, it, it, perhaps not so much with speed, but handling and other things. In other words, you know, uh, as we know, with Formula One cars... And for a long time with NASCAR, too, I don't think so much anymore, certain cars uh, were, were, for lack of a better way to put it, simply much better than others. Is, is that the case in Formula E as well, or are they more or less the same? There, there is the case. That, that is the case in, in some areas of the car. So we limit the development with the window where manufacturers can change the cars to what is relevant for electric mobility. So they can change the powertrain, the inverter, the electric motor, the transmission, and some of them, like Renault, for example, now is the, is the strongest one. Audi is following very close behind. Uh, the others are catching up. So definitely there are differences because you need to allow certain reward for the best technology. So And that's why the manufacturers come, because they can show the, the, the best technology. BMW, for example, is very keen and is preparing their program to come in full in the championship because they can put their own technology in the car and they want to show that their technology is better. And that's the same case with Jaguar and with the others. So, so yeah, definitely there's difference, but we try to have that difference quite limited to certain areas. What areas uh, can technology give you an advantage in specifically? In Formula E, it's the electric part of the car. So right now it's the motor, the inverter, the gearbox, mm-hmm. um, and that's it. We don't allow development of, uh, of uh, aerodynamics. And for the moment, we don't allow development of battery, but we will eventually open up also the battery competition. We haven't yet because it's very expensive. So all the teams pull together and develop together a new battery that is the next generation. But uh, but for the moment, it's those other parts. What they get an advantage from is the best one in energy regen, in regeneration of energy, recuperation of energy. That one gets an advantage. In terms of both difficulty and fun, how would you compare this project, Formula E, with your other past business ventures? <laughs> Difficulty, definitely the most difficult. Really the most difficult. Uh, although we had a football team that was pretty difficult too uh, in the UK, but, you know, nothing compared to this. Football is a kind of crazy business. Motor racing is a lot more kind of structured and, uh, and you know, more where you are. And uh, fun, definitely the most fun too. So, yeah, in both Formula rates, the highest. Take me out uh, maybe two or three years, and, and where would you like to see Formula E at that point? 
So in two, three years, I would like to see Formula E in more cities, in more key cities around the world. I would like to see more car manufacturers. I would like to see cars going a lot faster and developing the technology. And I would really want to see Formula E having a real effect on sales of electric cars around the world. Because what we want really is that all cars in the world are electric one day. And, and to play a role, even a small role or a big role or whatever, is, it's important. So that's, that's what I would like Formula E to be. Well, Alessandro, it's, it's been really great having you on Forbes Sports Money Podcast. And I, I hope again uh, in the not-too-distant future uh, we can have some more of your time. That would be great. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for this episode of Forbes Sports Money. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with a comment or question, please email us at sportsmoney at podcastone.com. That's O-N-E dot com. Commercial real estate challenges? For 160 years, companies around the world have trusted Savills for expert guidance and perfect workspace solutions. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us. I'm Rita Foley with an AP News Minute. London police have arrested Julian Assange on extradition charges to the United States, as well as for violating his bail. Assange is accused of publishing classified documents through WikiLeaks. In 2010, he told Sky News he was worried about what the U.S. might do to him. The United States recently has shown that its institutions seem to be failing. Uh, They are failing to follow the rule of law. And with dealing with a superpower that does not appear to be following, following the rule of law is a serious business. He also said in 2010 the U.S. officials had threatened him and those associated with him. There has been many calls by senior political figures uh, in the United States, uh, including elected ones in the Senate, uh, for my execution, uh, the kidnapping of my staff. Edward Snowden, the former security contractor who leaked classified information about U.S. surveillance programs, says the arrest of Assange is a blow to media freedom. I'm Rita Foley.